0: Hey, all you Theociples, I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts,
1: David and Jeremiah. Right
2: here at GCTNetwork.com. Your Great Commission Transmission.
1: The Theonauts, episode 78.
2: The one where we bring a couple gifts like gold, frankincense, and Marv.
3: The Theonauts Podcast.
0: Christian news from around the globe.
1: In the beginning, God
2: created the heaven and the earth.
1: It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter.
0: Explore the vast reaches of God's word
1: Hello, all you Theonaut heads out there. Merry Christmas. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr.
3: And I'm Riley Neal.
1: And all three of us together are the The Theonauts. Riley is back from school and hanging out with us today. Yeah, yeah. Good to be with you guys. Yeah, welcome back, man. (laughs) And so we we decided to have a fun... um, I guess topic that you have to research a little bit, but we've been kind of having some fun doing that. We're researching it as we speak, actually. I'm pulling <laughs> up all my tabs. That's
3: Jeremiah. That it died. He's a little
1: behind. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you continue to research there. <laughs> okay. Jeremiah. Sorry. Um, so, how was uh, everybody's week? Good. Good.
3: Good. Excellent. Yeah. Cool.
2: You, uh, you just got back from a hiking trip, right?
3: Yes, we yeah. did the Cross Timbers Trail um, up on Texoma, which was pretty good. A two-day hike, about yeah. eight miles in, six out. Yeah, so, that's a
1: cool. I don't know if my trail. legs
3: are ever going to work right again. But.
2: <laughs> Wait, did you say eight miles in, six out? So you took a different trail? So, out? so
3: we took this thing in called the Lost Loop, and we didn't know that <laughs> if we would have shortcutted around it, we would have saved about two hours. Yeah. That that loop kicked our butt. It's butts, called that so. for a
1: reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I, that's great. Uh, okay, here you are. That's funny. I've actually camped on the Lost Loop before. It's yeah, oh okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Out yeah, here. a
3: bunch of the trail was actually washed out with all the that's been going on, so we yeah. had to trek around it and find it. So did
2: you
1: get so lost that you just had to camp for the night, David? Is that what? It was? No, no, <laughs> oh, okay. no we, we purposely we, we went in late. Gotcha. So we didn't have time to go all the way to. Right, right, right. so. But anyway, that's cool. Hey, did did uh, you guys see Star Wars?
2: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Should we spoil everything?
1: <laughs> well, let's let's do a non-spoiler version of our our oh, Okay.
3: Thoughts non-spoiler version yeah so what do you think here's here's my
2: overall thought it gets me really excited for the next ones
1: yeah that's
2: that's that's the end of you know and all and to me it's like uh it's like redemption to see the star wars (laughs) redemption yeah from the first three you know the prequels gotcha it's like because it it almost feels like it, it. just went right back to the original.
1: It definitely is an echo so back or, to yeah. to the original right.
2: trilogy. Yeah, like even the droid, you know, throughout the thing. Like it's it's just
1: neat. So.
3: Yeah, I'm one to be pretty picky about movies, but this was the best I'd seen since Guardians of the Galaxy. I would say movie wise. Oh, wow, so I, was, I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. It, I, I was kind of listening to Michael and Brendan talk about it on Finding Christ in Cinema this week. Yeah, and uh, I'm like him. I was seven years old again, man. It was like traveling back in time because it was so familiar, wow. and and I, I loved it. That's I, awesome. I thought it was it was really really that's cool. Awesome. Everybody
2: so, except for Princess Leia,
1: she was kind of hard to watch. Oh man. Just because she had the, the old She didn't look like this anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, she uh, she's
3: she's had a hard life. I thought she was all right. Yeah. Um, so David, <laughs> what's the word on on how far they're going to go with this reboot? Because I've heard four episodes, I've I've heard six more episodes to where there's a total of 12. Oh, wow. So Well, I've heard that the tentative
1: plan is, this was episode 7, they've mm-hmm. got in the mix episode 8 and episode 9.
3: Okay, I'd heard they have 8 written already. So. Yes,
1: and they're actually going to start filming that this next year. Okay. Because what they're doing is, Disney's going crazy on it, it's kind of like the Marvel Universe. They're, they've actually got non-sequential um, stories that... That are going to go in between them. Uh, so like next year, there's a movie already in the works, a Star Wars movie, that's coming out called uh, Rogue
3: One. So it's becoming Star Wars Universe right. instead of Star Wars Right, so <laughs> series. Rogue
1: One is about the rebels who stole the plans from the Death Star or, originally. In episode
3: four? Yes. Oh, that should be good. I've always wondered, that's one of the loose
1: ends they leave you with. You know? Yeah. So it's about that. So it's not in the continual storyline. So they're going to
2: go back in time to yeah. Rogue One. Wow. And, and
1: from what I understand, there's a Boba Fett standalone movie that's going to probably fall between seven and eight. I mean, uh, eight and nine. Really? Mm. Yeah. So well, that's awesome. So yeah, they've got all this stuff planned. So we're gonna we're gonna be inundated with Star Wars. Do you
2: think it's going to be good though? I mean, do you think it's gonna? Because I can see it working, or <laughs> I'm I can going see too it far, just, just totally blowing up in their faces. Like yeah. everybody's like. That's enough Star Wars for me. You know what I mean. Well, they haven't done that with the Marvel universe. So. That's true. But there's been. But you've got a lot of material to work with. And here's the difference of the, Marvel, the Marvel, universe. Marvel universe. Yeah, with the Marvel universe, you have actual characters to focus on. They can go off another subplot. And I guess that'd work with Boba Fett. But really, it's more about the universe itself in Star Wars than it right. is about the characters themselves. Correct. In the Marvel universe. So I don't know if it. I don't know if it'd work or not. That's, That's interesting hmm. to me, but yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, anyways,
1: it's... So are you? Do you have your notes ready now?
2: Yeah. Let's let's do so, it. So okay, let's dive into this.
1: Okay, so everyone has their nativity set up, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You got your little, you got your little figurines All on right. the on the top of the and charger Binks. Yeah, <laughs> don't go there. Jar, Jar Jar's in your nativity scene,
3: da- da- David. Did I tell you about the Star Wars spoiler I saw. There's a there's a video going around on YouTube where this guy uh, says, first two minutes of Star Wars Episode Seven leaked, and it's him you know shooting it crudely in a movie theater, and right. uh, so there's the opening scroll, and then uh, there's an explosion on this desert planet, and then the camera pans and you see Jar Jar Binks, and he starts talking. Camera drops to the floor, and everybody in the theater starts
2: boo. boo." (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty
3: good. That's
2: That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So we have our nativity set up. Jar Jar's definitely not a wise man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, a traditional part of this nativity scene has been these three wise men. Yes. So that's what we're going to talk about today Belshazzar and the others. Yes, those guys. Yeah. Magi. Yeah. Who 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 are these magi and what are they doing there? That's a good question. So, and what do we know about them?
2: Yeah. So should we start out with the uh, the scripture that we find them in? Let's do it. All right. Okay. So let's go to Matthew, chapter two, right, and verses
1: one
3: through twelve. You got it there. Uh, I, I got did. it. You got it. All, All right. right. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way.
1: So we've got, uh, we read this same passage last week when we talked about Herod. Right. And uh, so this time, we want to focus on the other people in, in the, in the storyline here of these, of these wise men. Um, what version was that you were reading from? I'm
3: reading from the ESV.
1: Okay. So it uses the term wise men, wise men. A, as well. <laughs> which. Uh, so which is, yeah, it's debatable as to how that should really be translated. Uh, the Greek there is magi, right. um, and there is some thought that that should not even be translated.
3: Just, in some versions, it's just transliterated. So, right. ma- magi is just an English approximation of your Greek uh, magoi. Right. The singular would be magos. Right. So, so you've got
1: uh, this, this term that is more than likely a, um, a, a proper term. And not necessarily a descriptive Mm -hmm. one, would you say? Right. So, uh, but they have traditionally been referred to as Magi. Let's talk about some of the traditions that have popped up all over our nativity scenes. Sure. Cool. First off, the fact that they are in the nativity scene. Right. Yeah. So uh,
2: (laughs) they exist right there with the shepherds. You have the shepherds on one side, right? The, The three kings... They're usually wearing crowns, yeah, uh, and robes, and they're carrying three gifts. Um, Making sure your mic was on. Am I on? Chick, chick. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. So, anyways, uh, yeah, they're they're carrying the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and um, so yeah, they're traditionally there. Um, the Western tradition even go so far as to name them if you want to look through. So yes. we get we get a ton of Christmas carols. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts who travel afar, right? <laughs> Field and fountain, whatever. Um, and then, uh, you know, you have uh, just a ton of Christmas carols uh, associated with the three kings. You were talking about the first Noel earlier, mm-hmm. right? That, that focuses on them, so... Um, Tradition has this number at three. Okay? Yes. Um, and then if you go further in uh, Western, Western Christian culture, uh, they even go so far as to name them. Uh, Melchior, the Persian scholar or Persian king. You have Casper, uh, the Indian scholar, or the Indian king. <laughs> and then you have Belshazzar, the Babylonian scholar, or the Babylonian king. Um, and these were, it's basically been tradition passed
1: down. Catholic tradition, I believe, originally. Is that right? Um,
3: I don't know where all the traditions came from. I think it's an amalgamation of a lot mm -hmm. of things. And so you even have two different traditions of kings or scholars or wise men of some sort. Right. Uh, It says it appears in the Acts of Thomas, AD
2: 47. That's where their their names derived from. So an apocryphal text hmm. is where their names derive from. Gotcha. It's pretty interesting. Because you've got
3: the traditions of the Apostle Thomas going east and converting people in India. Right. So I guess you've got Which him running way? across okay. the so magi way. when he gets over there. Well,
1: there are there's also some other traditions that that, that once again everyone focuses on there being three of them. And right. that probably comes from the fact that three gifts were given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things I saw was that the three Wise men represent the three tribes of Noah. So, Shem, oh. Ham, and Japheth. I'd and never put that together. And that's why that's oftentimes one of them is, is, is uh, that's why you see the different races. Yeah, there's. And you have an Ethiopian one guy. because of Ham and, you know, all that sort of thing. Huh. Um, I also found something very interesting that in fact, these three guys, their skulls were discovered. In the 12th century, by uh, <laughs> by Bishop Reynard of Cologne, Reynard. brother mate, Raynard, brother Reynard found <laughs> the wise men. That's awesome. He knew it was them because when he uncovered their skulls, the eyes were still in the sockets, looking toward Bethlehem. So, so <laughs> if he would have
2: turned them around, would they not have? I guess. Wow, that's interesting. So
1: anyway, these uh, these skulls are actually in a priceless. Uh, coffin. Yeah, I see that. And and on display at a cathedral somewhere
3: in England or somewhere in the... <laughs> I don't know. You actually have a lot of relics that yeah. pop up.
1: Right, right. So, about so the funny. wise
3: men.
2: <laughs> what is that? You know, uh, Martin Luther says you know, if I had an... We have enough uh, nails from the cross to like, what was it? Like build a new roof or something. Like yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much the truth. Yeah, but there are a lot of, the relics in Cologne are the ones that traditionally uh, claim as the wise men, the, the tomb of the wise men. All right. It's
1: funny. So any more traditions that we can think of about these guys that pops in before we actually start looking at what we actually do know about them? Hmm. And before we get into our theories about uh, who they are and why they were showing up? I mean, there's not a lot of theories other than <coughs>
2: there's three of them. They came to the nativity, uh, yeah. The, their names that are attributed to right. them, and I, that's all we have. And then either they're kings or they're magicians, right? Or they're wise men, or both, or all three. You know. So, well, aside Anyways. from
1: this word, magi, which is sometimes translated wise man or whatever. Right. Besides that, all we really know about them through scripture. Is that they came from the east,
3: mm-hmm. right? Which could be any number of places. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: So yeah, there's a lot east of Jerusalem in right.
2: Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that word east means, I guess, where the sun rises. Okay, so it could be any rising of the sun. From the rising of the sun, so it could be anywhere to the east of. of, of of Bethlehem. Or
1: Chile. Right. Well, and there's all this thought, too, about they said they saw the star rising in the east. And there's always been this contention. Okay. So maybe if this... they came from the east and they saw the star rising in the east, they would be headed east. Why in the world did they go west? <laughs> and I think that the the huh. the point there being all stars rise in the east. Yeah. Whenever you think about it. Right, because, because that's, that's the direction that, that uh, as the sun disappears over the western uh, because of the rotation uh,
2: exactly. of the earth. Exactly. So uh, you get the, the stars. And the it east.
1: could also be interpreted: we saw it from the east, like we saw it rise from the east. We were mm-hmm. in the east we, when we saw. We it. We were it in running. the east, right? right. So and there's different ways of, of reading that text. There's not the a note lot. on
3: my text has. Uh, Go ahead. We saw it in the east, mm-hmm. or even we saw it when it rose.
2: So. Yeah, there's not a lot you can uh you can pinpoint about them from from the actual text other than there were magi that came and gave three gifts to Jesus and bowed down before him and worshiped him as king. They do seem to be pretty wealthy. Yeah. I would yes. say. Yes. Well, they're giving him gold, frankincense well, and some myrrh. And they're on this big trip.
1: Yes, and there <laughs> is some prominence. They get um Audience with the king, yeah, pretty easily. Yeah, in fact, mm-hmm. he heard about it and inquired about it. Right. So now, if but if if three crazy guys were just running around the street saying, "Where's the king? Where's the king?" <laughs> would the would the would the actual king really be saying, "Get those guys up here. I want to talk to them." <laughs> right, <laughs> no, right. There's right. something else at work here. Something bigger. Uh, yeah. going on.
2: Yeah, we can definitely infer that. So you know, these guys had they had some kind of a power
1: or political clout. Well, um, one of the things that, um, well, some, some, some of the notes I've got here are about, um, looking at the traditions and how some of the traditions are definitely wrong. Uh, one of which that, uh, Riley's going to debate with me, but we're going to see how it goes (laughs) is that the text reveals that they were not at the actual birth of Christ. Okay. So, um, because when they got they followed the star to Jerusalem then found out they had to go to Bethlehem saw the star again went there found the child in a house not in the stable where uh, we read earlier where uh, Joseph and Mary had to to board down to actually uh, have the baby Um, so your nativity always has this manger scene with, like you said, the shepherds on one side and the, and the magi on the other. Um, hmm. Obviously, there's something wrong with that picture. So um, the, the only thing I wanted to bring out is that <clears throat> Herod says, I want to kill all the babies two years and younger. And it says that he said this based on what the magi told him. So that leads us to think that because he inquired when did you see it we didn't actually get their answer right um in the text mm. but he does he does require that all children two and younger be killed based on that so that tells us that he could have been as old as 2 years old so the question um that comes up here is at what time in Jesus's life did did they show up? Did the was Magi it, arrive? Was it still like shortly after the birth, or was it even as far as as two years? Right,
2: and I think a lot of that has to hinge on how long did Mary and Joseph stay in Bethlehem? Right, which wasn't their home. Right they they were in an inn. Uh, so how long did they hang out in in Bethlehem before yeah. they ran away to? Were they renting? Egypt? <laughs> That's a good question, you know So what do you
3: think, Riley? Okay, um, I want to, I guess, present um, An opposite view That they might have actually been there At the birth? At the birth, okay. alright Okay, bring um, it So the first thing I want to look at um, Or at least, maybe not at the actual nativity scene But they are there Short, really quickly Shortly, shortly after. after Okay, okay. So uh, in chapter 2, verse 1 You've got after Jesus was born, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So, you, it's hard to put their arrival at Jerusalem before his birth. You've, if you're following the text Correct. in a linear fashion, you're going to have to put it after. Well, it does say after Jesus was born. But, um, anyway, you said they come to the house, right? Yes. So, the thing I wanted to look at, in, uh, in Luke chapter 2, you've got um, Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. <clears throat> it's talking about Mary says, and she brought forth her son the firstborn, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in the manger because there was not there was not a place for them in the inn. Mm-hmm. Now this word for inn is uh here it's katalumati or uh the singular the kataluma yes. would be your nominative singular. Um so this word basically means a lodging place. And if you look at its other uses in the New Testament um, Mark fourteen fourteen, you got Jesus asking, uh, "Where is my guest room, where I can eat the Passover?" Okay. So in right. this sense, this is not referring to a hotel in, um, you know, something like that that not you would rent out. This is right. referring to a guest room on top of a family house. Um, oh, okay, got gotcha. you. And so you could have this possibility that there's not room for them in the guest room, so you're having the baby in your relatives animals quarters or even at this time you'd have people keeping their animals inside for warmth for protection um, so a manger could be in the house okay at this time <laughs> so what i'm saying is i don't think we can deduce from the so text that they couldn't have been in a house
1: okay so they didn't necessarily when it says there was no room in the inn it could have just meant a certain portion of the house where they would lodge be before.
3: no room in the guest room so they are hanging out in the living room in the common area or maybe, gotcha, you know, around with the animals, because because so, it,
1: yeah, it doesn't actually say stable, right? Was it say? Um,
3: it just says manger. Okay. You don't have it. You don't have a doesn't a stable or a barn or. Gotcha. So we're anything. just implying. So we have to infer where that would have been.
1: <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm.
3: Anyway, um, and so after that, it seems to me. Uh, Later on, um, you have in verse 7, Herod summoned the wise men and ascertained what time the star had appeared. Yes. So I think that whenever Herod um, makes his decree to kill everyone two years and younger by the time that he learned from the Magi, um, I think he's going off of when the star appeared. And I don't know if that appearance coincides with the birth. I think the appearance could have been earlier. They got going on their journey that the appearance led them there, and then Jesus was born. So it could have been a two little before year, they arrived. It could have been as
1: much as a two-year, a two-year journey. Journey. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, so I, that's, I that's, Yeah, I don't think that's, I don't think there's enough to, to deduce
3: solid, solidly either so way. You don't what, have to
1: necessarily take the wise men off your nativity scene. Just maybe, yet. maybe
3: you can make an argument for keeping your <laughs> your wise men around. <laughs> Yeah, I, but you uh, need to
1: get more than three of them, probably. Right. And,
3: all, and also, another thing, what is the probability that Mary and Joseph were just hanging out with their newborn kid in this foreign, well, not a foreign place. It's probably have relatives there or something, but yeah. for so long after the, the birth. It was the
1: home of, of his heritage. Of his,
3: mm-hmm, right. his family. Well, and
1: it said there that the reason they moved was because like, or, cause they came back after, from Egypt when they found out Herod was dead and this is what we kind of covered last time Right. Mm-hmm. but then when they found out that Herod's son Archelaus was taking the throne they were scared enough not to stay in the Bethlehem area so they ended up going to to Nazareth to, uh, yeah to, to the Galilean area of right. Nazareth oh, okay. so um, so it could be that their intentions were to live in Bethlehem all along hmm. we don't really know until that occurred where did they come from what does it say I'm trying to
3: think
2: um,
3: where did Mary and Joseph come from? Yeah, where where were they at before? Well, I believe this. it was Nazareth. Oh, was it? I yeah. Let's I us not Research that. I, I just had Luke two open. Let me get it again.
1: Well, I wonder oh, if. I... Yeah, gonna... I've, I've got it here. In all those right. in those days, I'm in the ESV. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quinarius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, Galilee, from the the town of Nazareth, Nazareth to Judea. So they were actually there in Nazareth before him.
2: So they went, yeah, they went to Bethlehem, booked it to to Egypt, hung out in Egypt for a while, and then came back
1: to Nazareth. Right. Hmm. Okay, well, okay, so that may or may not be... A good deal to have <laughs> them actually in. in so I'll, I'll I I withhold the, my judgment on that. Yet. I think the
2: reality is is we don't know a, a set time. It could have been that very night. It could not have been that very night. It could have, could have been that very night that the shepherds came. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it could have been the next night. I don't think there's. An exact not Hmm. for that either, so you know we don't know. But tradition holds that we did have wise men. You know the scripture says that we did. You brought up an interesting uh, thing. So you
1: don't think there were three of them? Uh, No, I don't think there was three of them. (laughs) And um, but my main reason for that is basically going to be built upon the rest of what we're going to be talking about. Uh All right. So. uh, it, I mean, it very well could have been three. Sure. But once again, three guys running around in the streets isn't going to make that big of a commotion. Right. Um, whereas I, I tend to think that there was something bigger at work here. Um, hmm. Once again, there's no indication in the text that these guys were kings. Right. That's that's strictly tradition. Tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, probably where this came from um and and you found something else as well, but it, it probably could have come from some of the prophecies. Isaiah sixty yeah. uh, is a big prophecy that yep. talks about uh, the coming of of Christ, and it does um, it does mention that all nations shall come to you and bow before you, and a multitude of camels shall cover you, um, and then it talks about gold, frankincense. I mean, all mm-hmm. of that's in that text. So uh, this talk of kings bowing down before you and the mention of the same gifts <clears throat> could have been amalgamation of that, making people think these are kings. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Psalm, 72, Psalm 72, verse 11 says, May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him, uh, which is t- a messianic uh, prophecy as well. Uh, so th- these are probably the basis for ascribing them as kings, Uh, you had an interesting thing you found also about that, um, about the possibility of why kingship was assigned to them.
3: Yes, um, what I was reading um, is that you see this tradition of them being kings appearing right around and after the time of Constantine, when you have the Christian Roman emperor. The Christian king. (laughs) So, how convenient that this tradition of them being wise um, kings who are faithful to the Messiah. This tradition appearing right at the time when you have Christian kings appearing on the scene, right? And seems kind of might be justifying that a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's and, and, and that very well could be as well. Wow. But either way, the text doesn't reveal this in in any form. Um, this this term uh, we talked about the term magi itself. Uh, when you actually a lot of the research that I found is runs from that. It runs from the word magi and trying to find out where this word originated, who these people were uh, in history. And so um, we find references to these guys going all the way back uh, in history to the Chaldeans, uh, which would have merged into the Medes um, of the, what do you call it, the... um, the area of Ur, where Abraham was from, yeah. and Shinar, which became Babylon, so that that whole area is where this term kind of originated in. Uh, they became uh, they were a tribe of of the Medes. Uh, the first time we read about them in history, much like the Levites were in Israel, so these Magi were in this Median-Persian hmm. type of, of religion.
3: So a priestly
1: they were, tribe? Yes, or? they were seen as a religious uh, sect of sorts. Wow. Albeit a pagan one. Right. Um, but it was a lineage thing. They they actually passed this from father to son type of thing, much the same way the tribe of Levi uh, would do the priestly side of Israel. Um they, be, they, they ended up in the courts of, of most of the kingdoms because of their ability to read the stars. They were big on astrology and astronomy both. So a hmm. blending of science and superstition. Right. And, and putting these things together, uh, they actually came up with some pretty good um, findings that, that uh, impressed people. Uh, we get this term magician. From that same magi, word, yep. yep. Um, so they were seen as magical sorcerers, this sort of thing, is. mystic people, and it could even be the roots of some of our Arthurian legend type of sorcery. Oh yeah, uh, you know Merlin, like Merlin, and and all that sort of thing. Um, but uh, anyway, if we look, we can actually find it talking this using this word magi. Uh, of course, in the in the Book of Daniel. Um, there's several references to this group of people. And so, little history first, the Babylonian Empire ended up growing out of that plain of Shinar and becoming a world empire. Right. They, they took over the Israelites and created what we now call the Diaspora, where the the, the, the Jewish people... King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians left a vassal king. Once again, we're talking about vassal kings in the last episode. They left a vassal king on the throne in Jerusalem. Uh, However, he was constantly, whoever sat on that throne was constantly trying to overthrow the Babylonian rulers. And prophets like uh, Jeremiah, um, these guys kept telling them, hey, look. This is God's decision. You need to stop fighting it. Right. But they wouldn't. And before long, the uprisings became so much, Nebuchadnezzar (sighs) put the hammer down.
2: Yeah, he came down and destroyed.
1: Destroyed the the temple, uh, just took hostages, as was their custom, they would take nobility. They would take people of renown and they would bring them to Babylon and inject them into the Babylonian Um, Society. society. And so what you ended up doing was... Melding cultures. Melding cultures, breeding people out, all this sort of thing. Now, the Babylonians had already done this to the existing uh, Chaldeans and all who who came from that Ur area. Right. And, And so you already had... A lot of religious. I mean, it was a melting stuff.
2: Imagine a melting pot of, yeah, of religious uh, experience and cultural
1: yeah. experience. So. so Daniel is one of these exiles. Yes. That is brought to Babylon uh, during this time. And he's a prophet of God. And we find um, this, this first reference to these guys in Daniel 2. Uh, now, the background here is, is Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, is having these disturbing dreams that are really bothering him. He, he, he wants to know what the meaning of it is. And um, he gets all these, these his wise men together, <laughs> and it says there in verse 10, it says, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked much such a thing of any magician or enchanter or chaldean the thing that the king asked is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods who dwell in uh, whose dwelling is not with flesh now obviously what ends up happening is daniel does interpret the dream properly through god and this sets him up with uh with these guys, right? Uh,
2: the Magi make them uh, make him their you know their go to guy,
1: or at least the king does, right? And and so okay, this word um, th- these these wise men referred to here as Chaldeans, they they said um, that no king has asked such a thing of a magician or enchanter or Chaldean. Chaldean. Hmm. Some of the references I looked at said that these were probably synonymous terms just being repeated for emphasis. Uh, they could be three different things. Uh, the Chaldeans obviously were, was a race of people. right? Uh, but it could also be used here in su- in the, as subjects of Babylon, the Chaldeans were used for their, uh, their, for their magic. Right. Uh, the word magician here um, is, of course, this is written in Aramaic in the original language. But if we go to the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament uh, that predates Jesus, the word used for magician there is the plural of the uh, word that we were talking about earlier. It's a form of right. of magi. It's, um, I don't know, Riley may remember better than me, but um, magios or whatever it is, Mercurian, or <laughs> it's, it's the, the, the plural of the, like uh, the plural understanding of that same word it's same root anyway mm-hmm. so um so that's what kind of leads us to this book of Daniel to look at these guys, same type of wording being used, they are also in the east when you in reference to israel right um so uh daniel four uh seven through nine um this is um. Here it says, The magicians, the enchanters, and the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, Because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. So this is the second time this has happened. Uh, This is the dream about the tree that ends up uh, going to waste. And his interpretation is, this is you, king. Right. And uh, we know that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar ends up Going psycho, uh, m- my mad in the field, mm-hmm. <laughs> growing long hair and fingernails, becoming the first werewolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so anyway, but the, but the thing I wanted to point out was the fact that Daniel or Belteshazzar here, he was being noted as the chief of these magicians. Uh, so here you have these these magi who were had their own religion they had their own pagan religion in babylon mm-hmm. and we're probably and we're promoting that now you've got daniel who's a jewish background uh he's a he's a believer of god he's subject to god only and he comes in here and gets enough renown that he becomes their chief so what do you think he's teaching <clears throat> them you think he's just going right along with all their crazy astro- no, astrology he's teaching <laughs> biblical truth he's teaching about god right Right. And and there are prophecies that predate Daniel uh back in numbers and all that that talk about a star rising um and that being that of, of Jesus. So you have this type of prophecy already in existence and you have Daniel in place with Magi to right to be able to promote this. Um another reference is in Daniel 10 or Daniel 5 verse 11. It says, and this is uh, uh, this is after the changeover of co- of control. So Nebuchadnezzar was Babylonian. Uh, he went MIA at some point, turned the kingdom over to. Ibo- it refers to him as his son in the scriptures, but that is probably in reference to his lineage and not necessarily succession. his actual son. Most scholars believe it was his nephew. That was actually uh, uh No, that was his predecessor. Uh, Belshazzar. Belshazzar. Belshazzar yeah. was in control and lost the kingdom right. uh, to the Persians. Persians. Mm-hmm. The Persians, and you can read in Josephus how th- all this happened. The Persians actually drained the river Euphrates, went under the wall, and conquered the place without a shot fired. great story. So, right. so to speak. So, uh, and Daniel shows up. This is also in Josephus. Daniel shows up at the gate with the book of Isaiah in his hand, and he points to him, uh, chapter forty-five, I believe, where Cyrus is named by name, and so the the king here is like, so impressed, <laughs> okay, that Persians are mentioned in this <laughs> right. uh, in this prophecy that he makes Daniel right in control of once again the same he has he maintains his position yeah even though there's a change of power. Yeah. uh so because of that we have here um now there's a lot of confusion about Darius versus Cyrus um and not sure exactly if it's the same guy or if it or if there is some sort of uh, uh, Cyrus then Darius mm-hmm. or vice versa um but Either way, uh, sometimes the scriptures use this term, uh, Darius. And uh, so Darius is the one we're talking about here in Daniel 5. Um, and it says here in chapter 5, verse 11, it says, There is a man in your kingdom, in whom th- th- is the spirit of the holy God. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, oh, the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, ch- Chaldeans, and astrologers. So, I got a little ahead of myself. This is actually Belshazzar at the point of losing the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, wants to see the handwriting on the wall and interpret that. So, but,
3: um, but the point is, Daniel is in charge of enchanters, astrologers, magicians.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, that being the ultimate point is that Daniel... Uh, had at least some say here. Um, And we know that uh, that this continues um, whenever Darius uh, gets caught up in this whole scheme to destroy Daniel and Daniel's tossed into the lion's den based on the king being tricked into creating a law. Um, The king actually tells Daniel, I know that your God will deliver you, which that's saying a lot. A Persian king here is putting faith in the God of of, mm-hmm. of this guy. So he's he's obviously teaching about God to um, to the people here. Um, let's see what else. Uh, according to Philo, there were there were Philo is a, a philosopher and a historian, a Jewish philosopher, who lived um, at the time of Jesus and he wrote that about the Magi and said that there were various schools of them, and that uh, some were more respected than others. Uh, we know of a prestigious school of Magi f- um, through his writing. He talked about um, he talked about the Eastern school of Magi, and this school may have, have descended from the Babylonian Magi of Daniel's day. Um, hmm. So, anyway the fact that the Jews put all this weight upon the Eastern Magi and you have Babylon slash Persia, whatever, in the East.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so it also gives weight to the fact that maybe the, these wise men that came to the birth of Jesus were the same, one in the same <laughs> groups of people. Um, so uh, anyway... Uh, if we continue to follow some of the historians' writings about these guys, uh, we start finding out some more interesting things about them. The fact that because of their. they became the advisors to the kings, so much, they were trusted so much that rules were put into place concerning Persia and concerning their kingdom that uh, a law was put into place called the Law of the Medes and Persians, which basically says this, no king can, can be crowned as a king in Persia unless he, unless he uh, meets one of the, t- these two conditions. One, he either mastered the scientific and religious disciplines of the Magi, or two, he had to be approved of and crowned by the Magi. Hmm. So this was a law in the Persian Empire that 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 had to happen in order to actually
3: become a king and it's associated so much with the
1: royal throne. Wow right So you've got all this th- these guys are being uh, seen as political okay think about it for a second Persia is the is at this time the king of the world. I mean mm-hmm. the king of Persia is the king yeah. of the world. So you've got um, this world empire and they're subject to these magi. You can't actually have the most powerful position in the world without Without being crowned by the magi. That makes the magi some of the most powerful people on the planet. Um, So throughout history, they didn't go away when Alexander the Great came through. Um, In fact, they continued to... um, to have high-ranking positions within the Greek Empire um, after Alexander the Great conquered the world. And some of that even bled into the Roman Empire, uh, although the Romans, you know, they had no true affiliation to them. Right. right. Like,
2: but that would make sense why, uh, why um, King... Um,
1: <laughs> Herod?
2: Yes, why Herod would even entertain him.
1: Yeah. Because so. this ties in perfectly with our study last... Right, Right. because remember what we talked about. Herod was he didn't earn the throne by blood or by deed. Right, he was Hmm. placed on the throne. He was he wasn't even Jewish. He was an Edomite, and he was placed on the throne as a vassal king by the state, and therefore had no rightful claim to Hmm. the throne.
2: Right, and yet he was setting up his own empire or setting up his own you know family. Empire there, right? Mm-hmm. So, so he'd want. I guess he'd he'd want to know about these these magi. Imagine he'd heard tales about. <laughs> yeah.
1: About it also e-
3: explains um, when you have Jerusalem and Herod being greatly troubled. He's like, oh no, is there someone who has more of a right to this than I do? Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yes. And and obviously when he starts inquiring of the ph- Pharisees, they know all these prophecies. They <laughs> so all of a sudden it becomes real, you know.
2: Uh, to, um, <laughs> yeah I'm going to lose my kingdom over this that's, um, that's what he's thinking
1: one, one more thing about the magi being uh, king makers and this whole <coughs> excuse me <coughs> law of the Medes and the, and the Persians that's referenced in Esther the first chapter uh, a couple of times you have this Persian king sitting on the throne in the story of Esther uh, Ahasuerus or also known as Artaxerxes um, in Esther 1 verse 13 it says now this is whenever um he was having his little party, and he wanted Vashti to kind of do a little dance for him. And they were yeah. like, "No, nah, it ain't gonna happen." And they end up ousting her. Well, mm-hmm. uh, in verse in verse 13, it says, "Then the kings said to the wise men, once again, this is the same term, uh, who knew the times? For this was the king's procedure toward all who were versed in law and judgment." <clears throat> and so he's getting this advice from them. And he refers to their knowledge as law and judgment. Um, And then in verse 19, um, it says there that if it please the king, let a royal order go out from him and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it may not be repealed that Vashti is never again to come before the king Ahasuerus. Hmm. So, hmm. so he's wanting to add that into the kingly requirements or whatever right. <laughs> of the right. Persian king, uh, and so and where is he? Where does he get them to try and apply it to this law that the Magi kept? Yeah. So once again, the Magi were very prominent for extremely powerful. powerful.
2: It makes them, you know, if if Persia, Babylon, were the world authorities at the time. And these were the kingmakers of Persia and Babylon. Mm-hmm. It makes them the, the most powerful men on okay. earth.
1: Okay. So now we come back to our, our Christmas story. Right. And the, 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 the story there that we read earlier. Uh, when you have all this going on in town, um, the, the, the first thing they do is they get this. It says here, let's go back to Matthew 2 for just a second. It says um, in verse 2, uh, this is what they came saying. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And it said, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So going back to this idea that you know a handful of unknown people from the east showing up and hollering, where's the king in the streets would not get the attention of King Herod. But imagine this. The most powerful people on the earth in an entourage coming through town. Probably could have, could have even been hundreds of them. Who knows? Right. A whole hmm. group of them coming through, inquiring this. It would have caused a big stir in the streets. Right. And what they were asking for would have made its way all the way up to the top, because they were asking this question that would have also been bothersome yeah. to Herod. The only the only problem I have with like a whole bunch
2: of them is they were able to sneak off. That is that is kind of
1: true. They went a different direction. Yeah, they when, went a different direction
2: hmm. when they when they left. And I imagine if there were a gigantic train of them, then uh, Herod's spies at
1: least would have. Well, remember that they came to Jerusalem first, and that's where Herod was at. Right. They ended up leaving there and going to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. So when they left Bethlehem, they could have circled oh, any yeah, and just not gone through Jerusalem. Right. And still, mm-hmm. even a, even a big group of them would have been unnoticed. Sure. You sure. know, if they have done that. That so, makes sense. I get that. Wow. But it's probably not three. I'm just... Oh, I... I just find it hard to believe that there was only three of them. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and of course you know you have them bringing the the gifts and 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 all that sort of thing, so um, so anyway, it's not the end of the Magi. They show up in other places too, like in Acts and and whatnot. But oh, yeah, but yeah, it yeah. couldn't. But it might be a different school of Magi, as Philo was hmm. saying. So right, either that or it might have been imitators. Could could be that or as well.
2: wannabes like Stephen.
1: Well, the same word is used in reference to two different guys in the book of Acts. Right. Simon the Sorcerer. Simon. Right. I say Stephen. I always mm-hmm. say Stephen. I mean and, Simon. Uh, yeah. And uh, Elemas, or Bargesus, right. same guy, uh, that Paul encountered on the first missionary journey. And Paul blinded that guy right. uh, for getting in their way. <laughs> Both of them are referred to with the same Greek term of that we get magi from. Magi from, sure. yeah. So... Um, Anyway, you were telling me about, Riley, you you were telling me about something you found that was showing that these Magi might not have been good guys after all. Okay, yeah. What what, what all you have there?
3: Here's what I want to get at, um, and I'm borrowing from an article um, by a guy named Mark Allen Powell. It's in New Testament Studies. Jeremiah said I was cheating because I was using my school's database (laughs) to to do some research. I think I'm just being thorough. (laughs) Um, anyway, and, uh, and what I want to argue for is that, um, our tradition of understanding these guys as wise men, um, mm-hmm. might be a little biased and that actually originally, um, Matthew means them to be, uh, understood to be fool a bunch of foolish pagans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And maybe they have some sort of wisdom, but it's, it's a worthless sort of, um, paganism, uh, Anyway, so um, what I want to do is first look at um, the way this word this this term is used in the Bible outside of the Bible, and see what the connotation is with that. Um, okay. And we're going to look at we're going to look at this because I think Matthew's audience seems to be primarily Jewish, Correct. or at least he has a strong emphasis em- em- emphasis emphasis lineage of Jesus through the. Um, The Israelite kings.
1: Verification of Messiah. Mm -hmm. Uh,
3: Jesus as Messiah. Um, King of the Jews. He's concerned a lot with fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Correct. Stuff like that. Um, So I want to ask the question of how does a Jew who is reading Matthew's gospel understand this word? Um, So first, um, in Daniel, you already brought this one up. Uh, Daniel 2. And so here you've got... Uh, Like you read earlier, um, the king commanded the magicians, enchanters, the sorcerers, Chaldeans, um, to interpret the dream. Anyway, going down to verse 11, they said, uh, There's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. This thing the king asks is difficult. No one can show it to the king except the gods. So, one of the words that uh, is used to translate um, the Hebrew is this Greek, magos. Mm -hmm. Um, So, in the Septuagint, when they've translated this, you have... Magos, and in this case, they're not geniuses. They have some for they have some sort of learning. They're magicians, but it's not really worth anything to do anything good. It's just useless paganism, okay, um, which lacks the power of divine understanding that Daniel shows later. Um, and going over to Acts, like you said, there um, Acts 13. So here you've got uh, verse six. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a uh, Greek, Magos, mm-hmm, right? a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So here, you've got some sort of sorcerer, magician, it's this... Greek magos. And uh, when Saul's talking to him, what does Saul say about him? Verse 10, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? So again, uh, Matt, you got a magos shows up in the Bible, bad guy, um, has some sort of maybe demonic. Right. Understanding of the occult, demonic, could be, yeah, m- could be yeah occult magic, and that's a okay.
2: that's a historical fact about these these magi that they they used occultic practices as well mm-hmm. as right as well as
3: the sciences and astrology. Yeah, they were occultic. Yeah. So going on to uh, the use of this word outside of the Bible, when you have these Jewish, uh, the Midrash, the commentaries on their scriptures that the rabbis were writing. You've got one on Exodus So when you've got Pharaoh's sorcerers When the Jewish rabbis are writing in Greek They're magi gotcha. Pharaoh's sorcerers Again, bad guys They're getting in the way of um, Moses and Aaron They know a couple cool tricks But ultimately God's power is so much greater than theirs And all they end up doing is making the situation worse Whenever they try to do the plagues themselves And end up adding, <laughs> adding to the frogs and the blood and stuff. Right, right um, uh, Going on You've got when Philo, um, I'm not sure if Philo uh, wrote this commentary or he was the one who compiled it, but you've got a commentary attested in Philo on Balaam. Guess what Balaam is? Yes, yes. He is a Magos. (laughs) So Balaam is this guy who knows something about God. Um, He's got some sort of learning again. He actually has lots of prophecies that come true, but at the same time, he's a fool, and he ends up getting in the way of God's plan and being Destructive ultimately. Um, yeah, being destructive. Um,
2: and destroyed.
3: Going on to uh, early Christian evidence, you've got the, Di- the Didache. So this early, really early um, manual that claims to be the instruction of the of the apostles. It's probably a little later than the apostles, but it's early. Correct. The Didache, um, this manual of Christian teaching says, do not act the part of a magos to Christians. So don't be a magician, sorcerer, don't, you know, astrologer, don't get involved in that. Um, later, you've got Ignatius. Um, when he interprets Matthew, he sees uh, these magi as people who are pagans, who have their paganism, their learning, basically shattered by God, and um, God showing them what the true you know, religious knowledge is, the true, uh, showing them the true Messiah. Then later, you've got uh, John Chrysostom, and he's talking about how Christians are using this account in Matthew to justify being involved in astrology. And his point is, you are abusing the scripture and you should not be involved in astrology. <laughs> These guys are not being portrayed as good guys. Right. They're being portrayed as a bunch of pagans. Mm. Um, so finally, I want to go to the text itself.
1: Okay.
3: Um, back to Matthew, Matthew 2 again. Mm-hmm. And the first thing uh, I want to notice is in verse 2, they show up in Jerusalem Where is he who has been born a king of the Jews? So a lot of times we think of the Magi as these astronomers who are calculating, you know, angles or dates and stuff all based off these stars and thinking, okay, we made this calculation. Now we're going to go to that place where it sends us by whatever their means were of discerning that. Navigation or whatever. But they just show up in Jerusalem, which is the capital, and they're asking Herod, like, where's this king? So I don't know, are they expecting Herod's son? Are they expecting something to do with him? But they seem to be pretty clueless <clears throat> as to where exactly they're going. Um, later on, when Herod sends them on their way to Bethlehem, it says, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So there's no special calculation involved here. There's no Correct. astronomical wisdom there's just this star that sits right over the house like hey guys it's right here so <laughs> i kind of have to wonder if the first star was like that too just so obvious that they couldn't help but miss it mm. not that there were special calculations or right. astronomical knowledge involved um and another thing these guys are duped by herod so he says hey come back and tell me where this guy is so i can come worship him they're like, okay, and they keep going, they find the child, and it takes God intervening in a dream to tell them, nope, Herod wants to kill this guy, you guys need to get out of here, and don't tell Herod. Right. Um, so they're just totally not suspicious, and it takes this dream to convince them. <laughs> yeah, so, I never viewed that like that. So anyway, wow. So what unwise? what men. is the point of what I'm getting at? So if <laughs> these are not wise men, if they are pagans with some sort of learning that's ultimately useless and foolish which is how the Jews, I think, would have viewed their sort of magic when they read this. What is the point? How does that add to, if Matthew's trying to convince us that Jesus is the Messiah, why does he have a bunch of silly pagan magicians show up to crown him? Why does he do that? Um, And I want to go to Matthew 11 and 25. It says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So here's what I want to propose, that Matthew is uh, using the Magi. He's telling about them to explain the irony of the coming of the Messiah. For Matthew, for the Jews, real wisdom is not astrology Um, it's not this sort of pagan magic. Real wisdom is knowledge of the scriptures in the Jewish mind. That's wisdom, knowing the will of God, knowing God, knowing scripture. The people who have that kind of knowledge are the Pharisees and the scribes. They're the ones Herod goes to. But what do they do whenever the Messiah comes? They miss him. So you have these these wise and understanding people missing the Messiah, but you have these pagan fools <laughs> not even smart enough to get to Jesus on their own, not smart enough to realize Herod's going to kill him, finding the Messiah and God re- God revealing the Messiah to them and giving them the recognition that this is my this is my chosen king when you have all the wise people. That's pretty missing cool. It. That's
1: actually right in line with how God works all the time anyway. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean and so yeah, that's uh and 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 to think about this. If Daniel, if these guys were of this order that came from Daniel, they all they really had to make them wise was Daniel's teaching about the prophecy. Right. Which where mm-hmm. did he get that? Scripture. Right. Or from God directly as a prophet. So the only wisdom they had was enough to get them To Jerusalem, and after that, it's just God working in it, right? Yeah, that makes that is. Yeah, and I wanted to
3: read the conclusion from uh, from this article. I thought was pretty good. Um, He says, "This narrative does not portray the Magi as wise men whose learning leads them to Christ, but as ignorant people to whom God reveals the Christ." Um, And then later on, he says. I think the implied readers are expected to respond, God revealed the truth about the Christ to a bunch of pagan fools, while those who are wise enough to figure it out for themselves missed it, just like Jesus said.
1: Yeah. So anyway. Sweet. <laughs> that's really good. That's what oh, I've
3: that's got. Great. Either they
2: missed it or they didn't want it. And that's that's the other yep. sad thing. I was reading an article. I have it pulled up from Desiring God uh, mm-hmm. About this and It was actually um, There was an article written about the first the song The First Noel And it talked about how the king basically And the Jews who, who were the ones that You know the Christ child was sent to The Jews He was the king of the Jews And they rejected him because they wanted The status quo Either they wanted the status quo or they wanted something Completely different than what he had to offer mm-hmm. So you know The, the the people that he sent to save they reject and he he allows us stupid people <laughs> to accept the great the great gift of salvation it's pretty awesome
3: yeah that's what i wanted to get at we need to all view ourselves as magi we're not we're not better than these guys we're a bunch of gentiles who god has allowed who by his grace into this. to see yeah. to see the messiah
1: <laughs> yeah that's really good i really like that that's awesome. All right, anything else before
2: we do the news? I don't think so. I think we've covered it wisely. <laughs> <laughs> and now, the news. All right, let's see here. Um this is most of my news today comes from relevant um but pretty interesting teen pregnancy is at a historic at a historic Low in the U.S. Uh, Data released Wednesday from the National Center Center for Health Statistics showed number of pregnancies among U.S. teenagers dropped to the lowest number since 1991. Birth rates for teenagers age 15 to 19 of all races dropped 9 percent. It's a staggering 61 percent from 1991
1: to 2014. Wow. So is that a shift in morality, or is there just better sex ed and handing out more condoms at school? Let me uh, go to my (laughs) next
2: article, and you can can decide for yourself. Support for abortion is at its highest rate in years. More Americans support legalized access to abortion than any other point in the last two years. According to a new Associated Press poll, 58% of Americans believe abortion should remain legal. That's up from 51% two years ago. Uh, there was a rise in support both among Democrats and Republicans. The Daily Beast notes that though the poll is um, also notable, it was conducted just weeks after an anti-abortion gunman killed three people at Planned Parenthood
1: yeah,
2: Colorado. But, you know,
3: is there a correlation between those two things? Here's the question, I think. Is it, because see, the, the numbers for support of abortion is usually very different. From the numbers supporting certain kinds of abortion, right? So you Partial have birth. you have more people will support abortion in the case of danger to the mother, for example, than you have will support abortion in general on demand, right? Because someone just wants Unwanted. it. Wanted, yeah, huh? So yeah. I'd like to see that number.
2: I would too, but either either way, I thought actually I got the feeling that that abortion was actually going down the tubes. Um, for the past year I've thought that but uh, hmm. I, apparently not it's crazy to me I don't know but anyways I, I think I think there's a direct correlation between abortion and well and
1: pregnancy. these polls too though remember it's a poll alright and polls are only as valuable as the people you're polling that's true so I mean obviously if you're, if you're conducting the poll in New York City it's going to be different than if you're conducting it in uh, Picayune, Mississippi <laughs> 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 but <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, and you you know you you gotta you gotta take all polls with a grain of salt because of that. But, anyways, it'd be interesting to know um, exactly what what the true percentage is right. to find out. But you know, either way, um, I was talking to a friend about abortion the other day, and I, I just think it's something that we as a we as Americans and Christians. Should be you know fighting against hmm. bar none, period. I I don't see any any truth in standing by and allowing abortion to happen. Well, anymore.
3: you you hear a lot of people talk about uh, how Christians are on the wrong side of history in these different issues. Who I feel like this might be one where a lot of America is on the wrong side of history. That's right. It, anti-abortion We're, is actually progressive compared comparatively historically. And an abortion, gosh, it's hard to find cultures. Historically around the world, who ever thought this was a moral practice?
2: Right, right, right. You know, but you have Rome. There's one. (laughs) But, anyways, it's crazy. But, uh, all right. Um, In other news, there's been a a theological uh, beatdown of sorts, smack talk going on between (laughs) John Piper and. Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. I reported oh, no. on Fal- yeah. yeah, Falwell's. Uh, <laughs> I reported on Falwell's uh, um, speech he gave at chapel a couple weeks ago about car- concealed carry guns. Yeah, let the Muslims come and everything. Right. Um, John Piper actually wrote an article um, against what what Jerry. That said, it's really interesting. So, okay. Desiring God founder and chancellor, Bethlehem College Seminary John Piper issued a lengthy response to Liberty University President Jerry Falwell, uh, his call for students to carry firearms. In the days following a terrorist shooting in San Bernardino, Falwell said, basically, he encouraged everybody to get concealed carry permits, and uh, (laughs) he said, let's teach them a lesson if they ever show up here. Um, He says that we could end those Muslims before they walk in and kill. (laughs) Uh, Then he encouraged the students to take concealed carry-off courses offered by the school. Um, Today, Piper published a long response spelling out why he disagrees with Falwell's statements. Though his arguments consist of nine points, he essentially suggests that Falwell said does not line up with his view of evangelism. This is a quote from Piper. If we teach our students that they should carry guns, the and then challenge them, let's teach them a lesson if they ever show up here. Do we really think that when the opportunity to lay down their lives comes, they will do what Jim Elliott and his friends did in Ecuador um, and refuse to fire their pistols at their killers while the spears plunge through their chests? Mm. It's a really good challenge. What do you think about that?
3: I would recommend... Reading Piper's article in full, it's called "Should Christians Be Encouraged to Arm Themselves." You can find it on Desiring God. It's a it's a challenging read. Yeah, I think.
2: you know, and it man, it's tough for me because I want to. I'm all about concealed carry guns. Right? right, like I love them, but at the same time, he, he makes a perfect argument and something that that I've actually taught on and glorified in the past about Jim Elliot, you know, not pulling out a gun and shooting these people because they he. You know, if he dies, he's he's going to heaven. It's it's about an internal perspective, right? Right. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you know he shoots a
1: man who doesn't know who Jesus is, he sends him straight to hell. Well, that goes back to all this discussion we had on episode forty-two. Yeah, and uh, where we talked about war. It's a very hot button issue. Yeah, because and and to me, I still kind of land where I did there. Is it's I'm I'm about defending others more so than defending
3: myself. See, I think we should so. go back to that self-defense. Gosh, I keep getting in arguments with my family about this issue. But <laughs> it's, gosh, there's so much to be talked about. Mm-hmm. And like the war episode talked a lot about defending the innocent. But what, at what point does it become self-defense or personal defense? And at right. what point does that conflict with Scripture's teaching? It's a hard question. Yeah. See,
2: and I, I think that, I mean, I've, I've lined up at the side of if, it's, if I'm defending somebody, Who's who's helpless? Then it's okay. But if I'm gonna defend myself, then I'd rather them kill me. I I think.
3: So so here's the question though: Does does Peter do wrong for not defending his wife when she's martyred before he's martyred? I don't think he could well, have.
2: He didn't have a sword. He was jailed
3: at the time. Yeah,
2: he was jailed. I wonder if I wonder if he had a sword in his hand, he would have.
3: I don't know. Well, unless it Too, was seen as a hopeless situation. situation Too much well to almost. talk about right now, yeah. I think.
2: I, 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 I read an article one time. Maybe we'll just, revisit it. Yeah. Another yeah. part two. This, hmm. <laughs> I read an article one time from John Piper that talked about how he, he read an article from Force of the Martyrs about this family in a hostile environment that had to dig their own graves. Right? And hmm. then... As the son was kneeling down, the father said, "Rejoice! You get to go to heaven and see Jesus in just a minute, you know." And mm-hmm. then the son dies, and then the father, you know, and going, "Okay, if I were a father, would I not stand up and try to fight the gunman?" I don't know, man. It's I don't know if there's a direct answer for that either.
1: But okay, well, I think it's situational. What we what we need to do is is we need to have another another uh, show on it. And what we'll do is we'll have Riley and his family in here.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. All
1: right, so what else you got?
2: All right, uh, uh Larcia Hawkins, Professor Wheaton College in Illinois, decided to wear a headscarf during the Advent season as a gesture of solidarity with Muslims. In doing so, Hawkins quoted Pope Francis saying that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. By some evangelical Christian, or but some evangelical Christians disagree, and Wheaton, a Christian school, responded by putting the political science professor on paid administrative leave. (laughs) The college says it needs time to review whether her statement puts her at odds with the faith perspective required of those working there. Uh, The case also raises some big questions of theology. This is from NPR, by the way. Uh, Most mainstream Muslims would generally agree that they worship the same gods as Christians or Jews.
1: Do Christians believe that? I don't. No. Because they they characterize their God through their teachings, and he's not the same character.
3: Yeah, you have to... (laughs) You can call him by the same name if you want, but you have to look at the characteristics as portrayed in Christian scripture versus Islamic scripture. Correct. I think when you did that, you'd find that these people have de- very different attributes.
2: Well, and for me, it all comes down to Jesus. Um, and I like the quote from Val Muller. The question basically comes down to whether can re- one can reject Jesus Christ as the son, uh, as the son and truly known God the Father. Um,
3: so, in other words, if you reject Jesus Christ, you don't know.
1: God. Well, that's what Jesus yeah. comes around and says. Right. No one comes to the Father but by me. Exactly.
3: in John. No one has ever seen the Father, but mm. the only Son has made him known.
2: And so here's my thinking. I think these people have an idea of of God. They just don't know him, and
3: Correct. that's
2: the difference. I think it's the same with Jews. Mm-hmm. Jews that have a better understanding of God than Muslims, <clears throat> but they don't know him. Right. Uh, you have to know him through Jesus, and that's 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 the case. So, um, anyways, it's you know this big argument about you know should she have been suspended? Solidarity with Muslims, the whole the whole thing about interfaith uh, connection there, and you know it just can't work. Okay, and lastly, this time in Christian history, it's off in our TARDIS. Let's go back in time. You'd think that I'm gonna talk about Christmas. This being Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I'm not. Astronauts Listen. read Genesis from the Moon.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, yes. Sci-fi. That is my <laughs> not favorite sci-fi. actual science.
1: That is my favorite part of the whole Apollo really? history. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: On this day, December twenty-fourth, nineteen sixty-eight, the spacecraft Apollo eight. Right? Is it Apollo 8? Carrying James A. Lovell, William Anders, and Frank Borum became the first manned vehicle to circle the moon. The three orbited the Earth's satellite ten times before firing the engines to head home. After their closest approach, they skimmed just 69 miles above the desolate gray surface. During the ninth orbit, the astronauts sent photographs back to Earth uh, describing their awe at the bleakness of the moon and the beauty of Earth. All three astronauts committed uh, or commented on the colorlessness of the moon in his autobiography Countdown. Frank later wrote, This is one of the more impressive uh, impressions we wanted um, to transmit. Um, And then Bill Anders read Genesis 1 1 through 4. Jen Lovell took the next four verses. Uh, and then Frank Barham finished with, and God said, let the waters under the heavens and gathered together under the place and let the dry land appear and was, and God called the dry land earth, gathered together the waters of the seas and God saw that it was good. Um,
1: yeah, that actually, that story actually generated a lot of debate and a lot of, of strife. The fact that they were promoting the Bible you know, right. it, over the, the airways because this was live. Okay, there was nothing people could do about it. Wow! And and unless they wanted to cut off the moon mission, and no one wanted to do that, right? Or cut off the transmissions from the moon. Sure. So, um, so anyway, they had this captive audience, and they did all this. And um, what was really co- one of the cool things about it is, is as they were coming into their final approach after they went through the the dark out period, um, mission control got on there and began reading letters that people had written from the time it took them to get back and uh the letters were um were about uh um how happy they were to hear that from from the moon (laughs) and one of my favorites was um just an anonymous woman wrote in and and said um thank you you saved 1968 and the point she was making was Historically, 1968 was a bad year for us. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was horrible. There were, there were riots in Chicago that year. Um, Martin Luther King was, was assassinated. Um, um, what's his name? Bobby Kennedy died. I mean, there was all of this stuff that happened in that year. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, there's an HBO series called From the Earth to the Moon. Mm-mm. If you get a chance, watch at least the episode entitled 1968. Hmm. The whole episode is about the, the strife around the world and especially in America in 1968. And the episode ends with them on Christmas Eve reading from the Bible and wow. the response when they, were, they came back home. It's really, really cool. That's awesome. So, That's awesome. Love that. Yep. All right. <laughs> Yes, we have some more voicemail this week.
0: David. Jeremiah. It's your boy, Brendan, from the Finding Christ in the Cinema podcast. Uh, Just wanted to give you guys a call. Leave some feedback on the most recent episode regarding the Herodian dynasty. Very fascinating stuff. Uh, Much like you said, Jeremiah in the past when reading that it I usually glaze it over. I don't, it's hard for me as an American, you know, born church of Christ guy to understand like all the political affairs of first century Palestine or, uh, Israel or, you know, Roman occupation, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's, it, it hadn't really ever been explained to me. And I, and I thank you guys for, for doing what you did. Uh, that family was messed up. Let me tell you. Um, just to uh, oh oh, I wanted to make the make the joke about Cleopatra. You know, you got to watch out for Cleopatra. She's coming at you. A little naughty oh. hip-hop reference there for you. A uh, quick question though about the Pope, uh, and I guess I guess you would call what he did sanctifying the Jews and saying that they. Don't need Jesus. I, I don't know. I just now heard you guys talk about it. I haven't looked into it myself. But isn't it funny that Jesus says that He came to not abolish the law, but to to fulfill it? Now, doesn't that mean that the law of Moses is is still at work and is still powerful? You know, because you know Jesus Himself said He didn't come to to abolish it he came to fulfill it and and i guess in a sense so show us how to fulfill it isn't isn't that what jesus is saying i mean i don't know help brother out love you guys mean it i'll
1: catch you on the flip side Thanks for the call, Brendan. That was very cool.
2: Love having our, our boy, Brendan, call in and uh, and uh, comment. Yeah, man, it's... and give
1: us uh, hip hop references. <laughs> yeah, that's great. He's <laughs> coming at you. So, um, on the on the whole, fulfilling of the law thing, this is how I kind of understand how I read that and how I kind of understand it. Is that when Jesus is saying he's not abolishing the law, it doesn't mean it means that God's law is still in existence completely. Uh, by him saying, I'm fulfilling it, takes the responsibility of the law off of our shoulders and puts it onto his shoulders. He fulfilled all the law. so that On our behalf. On our behalf. So mm-hmm. we don't have to. The law didn't go away. It is, the burden of that law is just not on our shoulders anymore. It's now on Jesus' shoulders. Right. So I think that with that understanding in mind, the Jews can't get to God through the law. Period. Because if we could get to God through the old law on our own, we wouldn't need Jesus anyway. No. Not at all. So his fulfillment of it was required.
2: And that's where Paul even goes so far as to make the case. You know, the old, uh, the patriarchs uh, they they trusted in the future Messiah to come. And that's that's how they had the law fulfilled on their, their behalf. Right. It wasn't because of Anything that they had done, you know? Correct. So it's it's not about fulfilling the law, it's the fact that Jesus fulfilled it on our behalf. Yeah. So that, and that's the good news of the gospel. Yeah. It's, so
1: it's a to tell us die. It's finished, it happened, word, it's done, word. Yeah.
3: Have the Theonauts talked about law before besides uh, the theonomy? Uh, Yes, yeah, we had... Remember the Theonomy episode?
1: We we had an episode on law. Yeah. Uh, It's been over a year ago, I think. And then we
2: just did the laws of Jesus, the, you know... Oh,
1: the commandments. The commandments of Jesus, hmm. which is kind of like
2: that, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's something that we should always come back up and uh, retouch on, because
1: it's something that people get lost in. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways... Here we go. So the Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world. Proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more and to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com. Subscribe to the newsletter and stay up to date on all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema.
2: There are several ways to contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not going to try and see <laughs> Also, guys, don't forget our prayer site. We're, oh, we, yeah. we still need to promote this. We still aren't getting a whole lot of traffic on it. Theonymous. <clears throat> so go go to prayer.theonautspodcast.com. No, it's Theonomous. Theononymous. I thought Theonomous. The I knew what I was <laughs> saying.
2: <laughs> Forgive me. My so, brain's been on vacation for an entire week.
1: So go there. <laughs> c- confess and pray for one another. Yes. Uh, call us on our voicemail line also. 972-885-7270.
2: Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher, and don't forget to leave us a comment there. (laughs) Feed
1: us. (laughs) Or or, or rate us, not feed feed us. I don't know what I'm saying. Tweet to us on Twitter (laughs) using at Theonautical like us on Facebook.
2: (laughs) <laughs> Follow us on Instagram, Theonauts. <laughs> Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. Thanks, Riley, for being here. Yes,
1: thank you, Riley, and thank you, Jeremiah. It's my hey, pleasure.
2: Thanks, Dave. All right. Merry Christmas.
1: God bless. This has been Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972 885
0: You are tuned in to the GCT Network.
1: This is your Great Commission. This is your Great
0: Commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com.
2: I mean, you can feed us if you want to. Just (laughs) saying.